like realtors have on websites, there's just like a list of all the descriptive words. Yeah, like cozy means like very tiny. So (laughs) (laughs) you know, I I love that one. People are always like, when they're saying a cozy home, you're like, yep, that means it's small. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 342. In 2008, roughly 400 guests checked into Airbnb listings in the entire year. Now, 400 guests check into Airbnb listings every two minutes. Now that's some growth. One of the things that I love the most about this current time period that we live in is that if a company has a good product or idea, they can grow and they can grow in a way that is supported by people who love, love, love what they're doing. Now, not every company is going to have the crazy explosive growth of Airbnb, but the same idea still holds true. And the best travel clothing out there, the clothing that I wear, Bluffworks, follows a similar model. When they first came out, they had one pair of pants. It was a dress pant. Since then, they've been able to roll out chinos, which I wear all the time, a blazer. They have dress shirt. They have also a whole suit. So they have a blazer and a dress pant option. They've come out with a vest. They have a hat. So it's just an amazing thing to see a company grow like this and continue to put out products that people love. I absolutely love my Bluffworks travel clothing. So if you're looking for travel clothing for the holidays, for yourself or for someone in your life, you could check that out, bluffworks.com. You can use the promo code EPOP. That'll get you 10% off any of their non-sale items. And one of the awesome things about loving both Bluffworks and Tortuga Backpacks is getting to watch the linear growth of both companies. So Tortuga Backpacks, when they started out, they had one type of backpack. Now they've got a multitude of things that you can get over on their website. Whether you're someone who wants all the bells and whistles and the best travel backpack out there, you can grab the Outbreaker. If you want to spend a little less and you're someone who's not going to travel quite as much or you don't need the rip-proof sailcloth, you can get their set-out stuff. They have duffel bags. They have packing cubes. They have everything that you could need if you're looking for a travel backpack. Of course, you can check out everything that they offer over at tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget, you can use that promo code EPOP. That'll get you 10% off anything that you order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is a special episode because this is part two of my interview with Ziana McIntyre. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to part one yet, I urge you, press pause on this one, go find part one, because in part one, we talk all about the generalities around Airbnb and how Ziana was able to leverage Airbnb even when she didn't own a home, how she was able to start using Airbnb to become location independent, why she was 
able to do that, why she, how she fell into it. It was kind of a funny circumstance and a funny situation of how she actually got into doing this on Airbnb. But we also get into some really cool concepts of how she was able to use Airbnb to do that full-time, to make full-time money using Airbnb before she ever even owned a property and how she was able to do that. Also, a concept called master leasing, which I had never thought about, didn't know about, something new that she talks about, which is really, really cool. And then, of course, how she was able to take the money that she was making from Airbnb and use that money then to start investing in properties of her own that she bought on Airbnb. She's going to talk about why she looked in certain areas, what type of properties she looked for. So that is a very great overview on Airbnb in the process and how one person was able to use it in a really unique way to start to fund their lifestyle. And she even retired. Um, and she goes into what that means and all that good stuff. So if you haven't listened to it, go check out part one right now. Back it up. Go grab that one. If you have listened to part one, super excited for part two today because we're going to dive into the nitty gritty of Airbnb. So if you're interested in actually doing Airbnb or you have an Airbnb, we're going to talk about how you can optimize your listing, how you can set your pricing, basically anything that you can do, tips and tricks to stand out and to start getting more bookings and making more money. So really how you can take your listing and blast it off. Of course, she's going to rip into my listings as well, which is really great. Who doesn't want to hear the criticism she has and the advice she has for my listing? So we're going to get into that right now in today's show. So let's run right into that part two of my interview with Ziana McIntyre. We're starting right now. I want to shift gears a bit. And I want to get into the nitty gritty details about Airbnb. So we're at a point where people are like, all right, cool. This sounds like something either I want to do with my own property. Maybe I want to master lease like we were talking about in, in the first episode. Maybe I want to, I have investment properties that are long-term rentals that I want to shift to Airbnb or, or short term. And so we're going to talk about like making listings, optimizing Airbnbs and why it, why the short-term game essentially can be so fruitful versus just long-term rentals. The first question that I have for you, because this is one that I've struggled with is, would you recommend people list on multiple platforms or do you just go all in on Airbnb and say, hey, this is this is just easier. I'm going to stay on one platform. Yeah, I mean, I do recommend trying different platforms. And again, this is another one of those things where you could go different directions with it. People say don't list on other platforms because they're trying to build a rapport on one, right? So like the more people you're hosting on Airbnb, the more reviews you have, the better chance you have of making super host, all that kind of thing. Um, so if you're splitting it between three sites or something like that, then you're only getting a review every so often on each one and you might not show up as high on the search and all of that. So yeah, there are definitely some drawbacks there. What's good about it is, yeah, Airbnb is a big fish right now, but they're not the biggest. It's just the one that we hear about a lot because they've got really good marketing and they're kind of like young and sexy, you know, but booking.com has been around forever and they're a giant out of Europe and they actually have more vacation rental homes on their platform than Airbnb. So we're talking like 5 million homes on Airbnb, five and a half million on booking.com and they started after it's just that they have always had a huge space in hotels. And so they just decided, Oh, we're going to start doing homes and blew it up. So what I'm saying with that is that it depends on where you live. 
So you might live in a market where Airbnb is good-ish, but like actually HomeAway does so much better or Booking.com just like kills it. And you won't know that unless you try them. And so what's kind of unfortunate is if you're small where you only have one or two listings, you can't use software. So you have to go on each platform and build your own, which takes a little bit of time. You can do some cutting and pasting, but essentially they're, they're kind of set up differently. And so you have to learn the back end of both of all the websites and, you know, make the listings. It's a little tedious. Um, so there's kind of that. But when you get to property management software, so maybe you have five to 10 listings, they automatically pull all the information through to the different listing sites. And then you don't really have to do that much. There's a couple tinkering things maybe, but in general, you know, it pulls all the photos, it pulls all the description. So that, that's like one of the reasons you would use software. So do you at, at this moment then list on multiple platforms for all your listings or for most of your listings? Yeah. So we use HomeAway VRBO, which is like the same. Um, we use Airbnb, we use booking.com. And I think we'll be expanding into Expedia and maybe TripAdvisor. But it's like one of those things where there's probably thousands of sites now that you can list on. And it really just depends on like what area you're in, what are the biggest fish and like, what are you offering? Cause there's ones that are specific for like gay travel or, or, you know, this or that. So it kind of depends on like what you're offering, you know, what your house is, what are the specifics? Have you yeah. found one to be preferable to the others for you? Like, are you, do you say, I really like whether it be the amount of bookings, let's start with, have you found one that's one out for your properties is like, this is 80% of the bookings or 70% of the bookings. Yeah, my biggest is Airbnb. So I was surprised when I heard other people saying differently. A lot of people with bigger homes tell me that HomeAway does really well. But even when I've gotten bigger homes, I don't know if it's my software. I don't know. I mean, there's so many different factors that maybe make you not show up as high on search. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure why, but I get most of my bookings through Airbnb. Booking.com, I think um, for the St. Louis market, I might be like one of the only people offering homes. So that actually works out really well. But there's drawbacks from different sites. So Airbnb charges the least amount of commission and they also take the, the payments for you. The other sites, they charge, you know, comparatively, Airbnb is 3% commission. Um, HomeAway is about 10% unless you pay an annual fee. And then Booking.com is like 15 to 18%. And so, you know, the spread there can be it, it make or break, like it can really change how your business runs. Um, so there's definitely drawbacks there. And then also fraud, if you're the one collecting the credit card payments. So like I use Stripe and I have to collect those payments, even though it happens automatically through my software. There's a lot of stolen credit cards. There's a lot of um you know, just bounce backs, things that are rejected. And then sometimes there's people that like charge it, it goes through. And then a month later, they decide to like, claim it as a dispute, and then you lose the money. So all of that Airbnb is protecting you from which makes them awesome. So it's definitely a lot more to consider. And I think, yeah, a lot of my day is spent like dealing with that, which that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. And almost enough reason we've toyed with, So out of our three listings, we've toyed with one, the kind of the nicer, bigger one on home away slash VRBO, which I wish they would just combine and then you wouldn't have to say home away and VRBO. Um, 
and we've gotten bookings through them and it's fine but it certainly has been and and this is probably because I'm used to the Airbnb back end and how everything works it just seems like there's more hoops to jump through and there's more issues or potential issues that I almost am at the point where I'm sitting there saying is this like, is this worth it for me? And I, I don't know. Like you said, maybe with a few listings, it might not be. Um, we keep it on there because I want to give it, you know, six months to say what what actually got booked. Plus, for the commissions, and, and maybe this is something you do, I'm not sure. We just make our price a little higher, you know, to basically say we're going to pull back the same amount no matter who's booking or where they're booking. They might pay a little more if they're on Homeway versus Airbnb. Um have you found that you have gotten different types of guests from different platforms? Yeah, I think in booking.com, I get a lot of Asian guests and I also get a lot of European guests. Um, I think for HomeAway, I get a lot of older guests. I also get a lot of Canadians. It kind of just depends. Um, Airbnb is definitely like the younger crowd. And and now I think it's expanding to like kind of everyone, but for a long time, that was, you know, what I was noticing. I get a lot of, you know, one-nighters and, you know, young people that are maybe getting rejected from other people because I know there's people that won't rent to anyone under 25 and I'll rent to anybody and anything, you know, it's just like, <laughs> give me that money. Um, yeah, so <laughs> those sorts of things. I, I, I would agree too. I, I've, I talked to a friend and she put it, she said, usually Airbnb is younger and more urban and then or at least like their urban places in downtown Nashville do really well. And then their kind of vacation homes are, you know, do better on Homeway or VRBO. These, you know, bigger, maybe estate-like type places. Um, what do you think the biggest mistakes people make with their listings are? And you can feel free now to rip into our listings to say like, Trav, this is because I in my head have all these things I want to improve, but I want to hear it from an expert. What are they? What are those mistakes that people do with their listings that you look at and you're like, oh my gosh, just change this, this, and this. And I think that you'll have much more success. Yeah, I think um, photos are definitely like a huge piece and not even photos, but the furniture behind the photos. So I mean, photos for sure. And I definitely fall into that category sometimes that it's like, yeah, I just changed some furniture and I don't have the best photos up yet. And they were taken off my phone. It's good enough. And then I forget to do it. So, you know, I get it. It happens to everyone. But I do really think that now it's getting so competitive that photos, they're like, I don't know, it's like click porn, you know, like you want to look at just real estate and, and people just click through and then now people are not realizing, but the SEO is so big on Airbnb and any of these sites. So if you're getting clicked on, if you're getting wishlist, if you get booked, all of a sudden you show up higher. So that gives you more clicks and books and things. So it's that momentum that you really need to get. And sometimes it's just a photo, even if someone's like, oh, that's $5,000 a night. I can't even afford that. But they'll just mm. like look through it because they're on the site. Sure. I do that yeah, all so, the time. I'm like, that's an amazing yeah. place. Let me look at this architecture. I'm not going to book it, but let me check totally. it out. Yeah. But you're helping them, you know, not knowing. But right. yes, um, I also like to put bullet points at the top. So there's like an initial description on Airbnb. And I just like make it super easy because what I'm learning is that even though it's really nice to do this like romantic copy about like vision yourself, just like out on the patio and like having your coffee and enjoying your life here in our place, like people are not going to read all that. I mean, somebody does, but 
I think having like the bullet points of like, there's a free Wi-Fi, we have a fireplace, we have a barbecue grill, like, you know, whatever. Um, those are the things that people want to know right away. And even if some of it is something they could filter through, cause you know, everybody has all the filters. Um, they still, it's like nice if they can see it. Oh, we have a hot tub and you know, different things. So I think, yeah, that's an important, um, just making it easy for people right off the bat. Photos back to that really quickly, because this has been something for us. Like we've had the listings, each one for like a year and a half to then I think the youngest one is a little less than a year. And it's always been, we're going to get professional photos. We're going to get professional photos. Wait, we got to put this picture up, right? It's like, it's like always waiting until this time. And I, I've talked to my dad who, who like, it's kind of helping us with the Airbnbs. He's retired. So he just wants something to do. Right. And I'm like, Dad, once we get professional photos, I'm telling you, it's going to be a 20% increase. And he's like, no way. Your photos are great. Like, you know, this and that. And I'm just like, well, this isn't for you. This is for the 30-year-old who's looking and saying, wow, that's a really cool leather wingback chair there. Like, let's highlight that or something. Um, So professional photos, something we still haven't gotten done and actually are in the process of doing now. Is that in your mind like, you should do this. This is a definite. Yeah. Spend the totally. money. It's well worth its weight in gold. Yeah, it totally is. And you can do more photos later, you know, like get that person's information and say, okay, what's the charge for like an initial photo shoot? And then what would you charge me to come out and just do like a couple of things that we changed, you know? And if you have like a great first photo and like everything is professional, except like two different photos of something you changed in the house it's not going to hurt you the same way as just having like not professional photos and your photos are pretty good. But that was one of the things I noticed right away. I was like, hmm. Okay. Good. Because in yeah. my head, I keep saying, all right, Trav, we're doing okay with this. But if you get these photos in my head, I mean, again, it might not show right away because a lot of stuff takes time, but it is that rich gets richer, right? More people clicking through more people booking. And I just keep saying, we got to get professional photos. We got to get professional photos. But you know how it is. Like you said, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, this month. Oh, whoops, this month's over. So, all right, professional photos. the best of us. (laughs) How often do you update your description and listing? Like, is that because I wrote ours and then haven't touched it as far as I know. Maybe I changed one little thing once, but basically haven't touched it. Do you go in and continually play around with different formats with changing the listing based on if like an event's coming to town, things like that? I don't tinker with it that much. Um, When I went to the Airbnb conference in like 2016, um, they talked about meeting expectations and being like as clear as possible. So one of the things they said to do is write like, guests really love this about our place. So list like one or two things and then say one thing like, But if you're like this, you may not like this place or it may not be a right fit for you. So saying like a couple of great things and then having one possible negative just so people are very clear. And then that doesn't come up in your reviews as often, you know, because reviews on Airbnb are such a huge thing. Um, The whole five star system is kind of a joke because as soon as you start getting four stars, like they're ready to kick you off the site. You know, they're sending you like warning messages all the time and threatening you. So you really need those five stars and having one issue like, oh, you know, this place was great, but it was kind of loud, you know, anything like that. So if you can let people know that right away, 
I definitely like went through and changed descriptions on my places and had that kind of high up. Hopefully people read it, but you never really know what people are reading. So just you try know? to be really clear. And that's a, that I was going to ask yeah. for an example, but like it being loud is maybe one example. Um, we have like really steep stairs up to the third floor of one of ours. And I try to make it as blatant as possible. Like do, if you, you know, these are steep. Like if you have mobility issues, you're probably not going to like it. So just highlighting things that might limit who stays there so that they don't stay there and then complain about it, essentially. Totally. Just being super plain about it. Like, oh, we have the most comfortable beds or our guests love our beds. They're always complimenting us. Um, they love the walkability to all the bars and restaurants. But if you're a really light sleeper, bring some earplugs because sometimes since we're so close to downtown, it can be loud on the weekends. You know, just something like that that is not really saying like, oh, this is a drawback, but I'm going to be a super host and tell you all of the things that could possibly come up. Yeah. Yeah. What are a few um, easy things hosts can do to make their listings stand out? Like things that you've thought, oh my gosh, this is... Like, again, we talked about professional photography. That's one. But just something like, this is so easy. And I do it for all my listings and I always get good comments for it or something like that. Um, there's a couple of things. I think title is really important. Like the title needs to be something that makes you want to stay there. And I think sometimes titles are just like really boring. They're super basic or they sound like any other place. So try to make like a grabbing title. Second, I put emojis in the title just because people like... They look at that and they see like a little sun and they're like, oh, what's that? They click on it and it's just me kind of tricking them, but it's great and it works. I know it's silly, but it works. Um, I think another thing that's not exactly in your listing, but respond to everyone's review. So you can, there's a place where you can respond as a host. And even if it's just like, thanks so much for leaving this great review. We love guests like you, you know, just something like that. It looks like you're a very responsive you know, hands-on kind of host. And I think that makes people feel like, oh, I'm going to be taken care of here. You know, it's not going to be that I book something and then I never hear from them and I don't know where I'm going. You know, I think a lot of people are kind of scared about that. Yeah. What do you do when, speaking of reviews, when you get something that is, maybe it's not super negative, but it is one of those, this place, we got one recently, like, this place was great for a basic night out in Philly. I, I forgot what they said, but they were like, not mean, but not nice. And, yeah. how, you know, how do you review to sell? How do you respond to a review that is like that? Where you're like, all right, if someone's reading between the lines, they're going to get what this person is saying without them being overtly mean. It's tricky I, because when I get a negative review, I want to put the facts out you know, like, oh, we did everything that we responded within 30 minutes and we helped the guests and we got it cleaned or whatever the problem was. But if you make a long response, you're drawing so much attention to that review that's already maybe long and bad. So it's like, I try to just take, um, I use quotes from the guests sometimes. So if it's a, like even more than just a sentence, I grab a quote and put it in quotes and say like, thanks for saying that this was perfect. Or, you know, like, I'm so glad that you found this very comfortable, you know? Um, and so maybe that will distract from like the other things that they're saying is just like, act like, oh, this is so positive. But yeah, it's tough. 
I think that's the hardest thing about being in the whole hospitality short-term rental space is that when you're a long-term landlord, people come and look at the place, they rent it. If they don't like it, too bad, you know, and there, nobody's leaving you reviews. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of hard. I mean, I think when I started Airbnb, I took those like really to heart because I was cleaning and it's backbreaking work and I was furnishing and I love the places and so if somebody rips it apart, it's just like soul crushing. <laughs> it, it, can, it can be tough. I mean, you know, yeah. we'll have like 50 good, like awesome reviews in a row. And then you get one that's either bad or just eh. And you're like, oh, man, that, that kind of pains me. Then I try to go back and read the other 50. I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. This is not so bad. What are all right. So what are some other things? And if you have some examples from our listings, great. Definitely professional photographs. I did want to talk about title too. So let me know kind of some other things you would think looking at ours, because what we'll do is we'll link up ours in the show notes too. So if people want to use it as like a template, they can. Yeah. I, I was thinking that I would go over them with you after. So I don't like know right off the bat. Um, fantastic home and best location with amazing beds. It doesn't say anything to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, walk downtown, walk to anything, walk to bars and pubs. And then it could say like, you've got four bedrooms. So four bedroom exposed brick or, you know, romantic this or that. I mean, there's so many cool things about this place. And I think that just is so blah. Okay. So be more, <laughs> you know be I mean? more, yeah, yeah. Be more like evocative in in kind of your title because that was an interesting point and I love that you brought that up because when I first started looking people were like you follow I you hear everything right and it's like one person says one thing one person says yeah writing a good title they said like all right follow this formula this plus this plus this right like adjective plus eh plus blah 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 do you follow a formula with the titles or do you just like you say do you just try to paint a picture in whatever 40 characters as well as you can. Yeah. I mean, I always have some kind of word like spacious or, um, you know, cozy or dreamy or so, you know, there's always like, and you can look it up like realtors have on websites. There's just like a list of all the descriptive words. Yeah. Like cozy means like very tiny. So <laughs> you know, I, I love that one. People are always like, when they're saying a cozy home, you're like, yep, that means it's small. But yeah. if it is small, like that's fine, right? Then at least like it's a nice way to to, to kind yeah, of phrase but it, it. It could be something like tranquil or romantic cottage rather than just being like a house, you know? And I always, even though they can search the number of bedrooms, I find that it's not always that easy to see right away. You know, like you put your um, templates and it says how many beds, but it could be a one bedroom with four beds. Like, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it right. So I always like to put right up front four bedroom, romantic, this or that or spacious or bright or, you know, something. It, again, it's just kind of like your own preference. I don't know that that's the best way to do it. It's just the way that I do it. Right. Yeah. And so, do you prefer with the description? Because you got to this, because one of my questions for you was bullet points or telling a story in that first little bit? Because I've heard both sides. People are like, hey, get to the point, like you said, with the bullet points. Just let them know. They're scrolling through maybe 
10, 15 properties, let them know what you have. And then someone else like, no, 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 make them feel like they're there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I know it's, paint a picture. it's hard to say. It uh, is. So honestly, people are deciding on your place in like moments. They're there on your site for like a minute, maybe. So when you look at it, because as a host, we don't look at our ad from the outside too often. So like do that and preview it. But what I'm seeing right now is like Airbnb is already doing bullet points for you. So the newest thing they're doing is saying number of guests, bedrooms, bath. Then they're saying sparkling clean. Recent guests are saying that this home was clean and then self check in and then you're super host. So they've got bullet points. And then about the space, you get about three sentences there and I mean, you're telling a story here. I'm not reading it right now because I'm talking to you, but I'm telling you that like, I don't know. It's just, if it was bullet points, I'd be like, yes, no. Like I know right now, the chances of someone clicking read more ain't gonna happen. The amenities, they see the top six, that's it. You know, the, the bedrooms with what size the bed is. Yeah, they're gonna see that. And that's probably all, maybe. Like that's, that's and I very think, optimistic. <laughs> and yeah, and I think that goes back to your first point of like, that's why the pictures are so important. They're going to read. Totally. They tell like, the whole story. Yeah, like I'm not going to read a bunch. And even even like me, who I, I do enjoy, like, oh, this is kind of cool to see this property. It's like, click, 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 click. Like, let me see 25 pictures and let me read 15 words and I'm going to decide from that. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at your hip meets history for a bedroom and I'm going to tell you, one thing I like to do as much as possible is I like to have the pictures go in a sequence as they're walking through the home, because otherwise it's really hard to know, okay, does this room walk into that room? I find that a lot of people go like, oh, I just took one picture. That's that room. And you're like, no, if you don't show it from a few angles, they can't tell what's happening. So at the very least, I try to go from one bedroom to the next. But you're like in the living room, then you're down the street, then you're at the building. Like, it's hard to know. <laughs> but I mean, again, like, you're just asking me to be critical. I, be that's critical. I am. And I'm I'm very appreciative yeah. of it. So would you then with the pictures, and, and this is so funny, this is so nerdy Airbnb, because I got a, I got a thing today where someone was saying about your first five or six pictures, like now Airbnb showing the first yeah, six or something. Super cool. I love that. Yeah. Right. So would you recommend, obviously you want your six best, right? Like to highlight your best yeah. things. Would you recommend then like showing more of the house? Like let's say outside, cool living room, nice kitchen, bedroom, cool bathroom, roof deck or, or whatever, you know, like you're highlighting yeah. the things that are important versus like, Hey, here's three shots of my bedroom. That's the same. Totally. But, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I actually, you know, that's the thing about this industry is they're constantly changing it and then it's forcing us to be better. Right. So now that you're saying that I'm going, yeah, maybe your first five photos should be the like banging best photos of the house and then go from there and start just doing a whole layout. Yeah. Sequentially. You know? Yeah. I would probably do that because now that's what you're seeing. People may not even click through the photos because they saw five and they're like, right. all right, good enough. Let's go. One you of know? the things I, I don't tell me if you do this at all. I, I thought this was cool. It's more for buying real estate, but I thought it could be kind of interesting for Airbnb is putting some sort of layout of the house on like Airbnb. Have you done that at all? 
So like having a floor plan? Yeah, having a floor. I, yeah, floor Dude, plan I was the word that I was looking for. Amazing. Okay. I'm so, I think that's so smart. I have no idea how to do it. So I guess there's a website, like I've heard like house or something does it. I don't know. If you find one, send it to me. Because as much as I think that's time consuming, it's probably the smartest thing you could do because then people really have no questions about it. Plus, like, I'm not answering guest messages anymore, but essentially you want to keep the questions down to a minimum. And if they've got that there, then there's less things for them to ask you and then less time wasted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I always find it again, we're real estate nerds. So I mean, maybe not everyone cares, but it couldn't hurt for someone to be like, oh, first floor living room. There's a bathroom back there. Cool. I didn't know there was a bathroom on the first floor. That's that's nice. Okay, boom. Second floor, third floor, what have you. Um, What about all right. So we talked a little bit about listing and best practices and and that kind of stuff. What about pricing? How low do you go on pricing? And in your mind, are you trying for more occupancy or higher prices? Like what is, because that can be, obviously if you go low enough, you could you could probably have close to 100% occupancy, right? But you don't want that at some point because it might be way too low. So where do you, how do you set that bar and how often are you diving into data or really kind of playing around with your pricing? Yeah. So I got to just say that I love your great for groups listing. The photos are pretty cute. That's a really nice one. And I don't know who's decorating. Maybe that's your wife, but she's doing a great job. It it is my (laughs) wife. And those are not professional photos. And my dad always comes back to that one and says, the photos are great. I'm like, dad, it could be way better. Like No, and it definitely could be better even for this one because it's very photogenic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I think you guys need to do photos like next week. Like get it, get her done. Call it up. Call them up right now. Um, okay. So pricing, first off, I don't care if you have one place, you should use pricing software because that's what's up. So, um, there's a bunch of companies out that do it now, and it sort of depends on how many properties you have, how much you want to spend on it. Um, there's a company called price labs that they do a set. Um, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's $30 a month per property or something, but most of them go on a percentage. So it's like maybe 1% or 1.5% of what the booking fee is, you know, like the the full booking amount. And I got to say, I was really resistant because I'm one of those people that just says, I can do it all myself. Um, But once I switched to pricing software, it's like I was making like 40% more. Like it's, it is heads and tails better than anything you're going to do yourself. What do you use if you don't mind me asking? Because we use price labs now. And again, three properties different than 16, I'm sure. Is is there one that you use that you're like, this, this has been like, this is the one that was a game changer for me. So I haven't tried price labs. Um, so I can't really speak to them. I just know about them. And I do think they're probably one of the cheapest. It sort of depends where the the breaker is, it's like how much money you're making if you want to have a set price, especially if it's your low season and then you're scared. So if it's a 1%, even if you're making like no money, it's only 1%. Right. So yeah. But yeah, it I, all comes down to that ratio. And and I, I the reason we were on Price Labs is I think it was the first one I heard about. I, I It might be more manual. So tell me with yours, I mean, we go in and we set a base price and then it it does all of it off like what I said as a base price and then a low price. I'm like, all right, here's the lowest I'm, I'm going to hit. And so then it takes its algorithm and finds all the demand. And 
I think it does a pretty good job. I think it's been pricing too low. So I like went in and made sure that was jacked up a bit. But okay, so Price Labs I use. You use? Yeah. Um, I've used Wheelhouse for a okay. while. I'm switching over to Beyond Pricing. I think they're probably got the most sophisticated software, but there's also Everbooked, which I haven't heard about in a while. So I wonder if they stopped somehow. The problem with Wheelhouse is, I mean, they're kind of newer to the game, but they also just launched Lyric, which is like property management software. So I have a feeling that they're either going to let it go or they're just distracted. And I just don't think they're doing as well. They're cheaper. And for me, it's really like, okay, bottom line, especially when I'm doing a property management thing and it's only 20%, you start to go, okay, software over here is a couple of percent and then this is a percent and you start seeing like oh my cut is getting real small so i was going for cheapness but i really think the sophistication of beyond pricing is going to be where it's at so i'm going to test it out we can compare notes yeah yeah for sure i mean Um, i know it's worth it has been worth its weight in gold for me just to not have to change the pricing. And if you guys are listening and you haven't used it, essentially what it does is it'll, all of these, I, I assume, will connect with the Airbnb platform and will consistently change your pricing. I, it, you know, you can go in and manually update it if you want, like that minute. But I think Price Labs does it every, I don't know, every hour, two hours. So it's just changing my prices constantly. So it might be 450 a night today. And then tomorrow it drops because it's, you know, one day closer, there's less demand. So that to me is not only has it helped me figure out how to price, I think probably more importantly, it's just, I don't have to go in and change it. So if I forget about a huge event going on, but it knows there's a ton of demand. All right. Well, that's already set higher. And I can sit there and say, okay, I know I didn't miss that by forgetting a concert was happening or whatever. Totally. And I think it's confusing to know what's too low because it really depends on like what your goals are. And I was just thinking about that today. I'm like, okay, well, I have these places in St. Louis and in the low season, my low price is like $50 a night, which is pretty cheap. You know, like I'm wondering what's the Motel 6 around there, you know? Um, but at the same time, like that home's just sitting there. So like, why not book it at $35 a night and just have every single day full? So I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, it's hard. Yeah. Okay. It is hard. I, I used to have a property that I did private rooms. So it's like, it was a three bedroom and I had two individual Airbnb rooms and one where there was a long-term person who was like the property manager. And I noticed that when I had the private rooms at like 35 to 50 a night, it was a certain caliber of guest. Once it went down to 20, it was a lot of problems. So there definitely is in each market some kind of low price that all of a sudden you're in a different zone. You're going to be maybe like more of a halfway house. You're going to have some borderline homeless people. You're going to have students. Like there's just kind of things that you know, I'm not trying to be mean or discriminatory, but like, I'm just saying that definitely pricing focuses at different groups and that makes a difference. And even on the high end, there's a lot more expectation when you've got a more expensive place. And so you also want to think about, do I just want it booked a lot at a cheaper price or do I want to catch this higher caliber of guest and maybe have less wear and tear on the home, but all of a sudden have to provide a lot more service. Right. So I think it's a great thing to think about. 
Um, and I think all the time in my business, I'm questioning my goals. And I think I'm about to drop it down to $35. (laughs) (laughs) What's that Motel 6 like? Um, So, all right. So pricing, it's It's such a hard thing. And it's the thing that I feel like I'm messing up the most. But there's also no answer. Like, I'm not going to, you know, you're never going to hit something be like, oh, this is right. I mean, you might see an uptick. You might, you know, things like that. I guess the second part to that then is... I see for us, basically every weekend is booked. I, I don't know, and, and I'd love to hear what you've seen across your properties in different places too. Every weekend's booked. So I'm sitting here saying, all right, maybe our weekends are too low, even though they're probably, uh, let's give you an example, like it might be 400, 450 for a night for the one house. And then the weekday might drop. I think the lowest is 200. So it might be double and or more than double for the weekend. But I always see weekends booked, and so I'm like, all right, that might be too low. If, if every weekend has been booked, try raising it and s- just see, right? Raise it 20%. And then the weekdays obviously is where I have had the biggest amount of difficulty. It's like, hey, weekends cover costs plus make us a little bit. But if we can get someone in midweek or at least average two or three days midweek, then you're starting to see the wheels turn and, and the money come in. Have you seen that with your properties? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very common thing to see that it's so easy to get like one or two nights on the weekends, like Friday, Saturday, and especially booking up in advance. So one thing that Price Labs offers that's pretty cool is um, they allow you to do um, a minimum stay amount a few months out different than the minimum stay later. So I would say for your property, if it's over a month or six weeks or whatever you want to do, I would say minimum night stay four nights and then you don't lose all those weekends and maybe you're going to find someone who will book a week. And then once it's a, it's within that six week period, you just need to get a full. So you're like, okay, whatever I'll take just one night on Saturday. But I think going out, you don't want to book all your weekends in July by like January. It's just like stupid. Right. Like, you know what you've got. Like, all right, I've covered costs, but I'm certainly not maximizing what I need there. And I think that's a good point. Maybe even, and right now our minimum stay is two nights. Um, And then, but if we make it three nights, all of a sudden, yeah. And then two months in or a month and a half in, hey, anyone who wants two nights can do it. And if we see people not booking, I guess we can change. I think that's a pretty cool strategy because obviously the longer people get in, the better it is for you. Um, totally. I mean, I would try four nights or okay. five nights. I know four. it's scary. Uh, yeah, that is very scary. You're well, saying that. I'm no, like, but I'm telling you because people have told me, man, when we get five nights, it's such a it's a game changer, you know. And I think most places will book up in the last four weeks. So if you have like you know four night minimum, anytime over a month, like you'll get it in that last month. Yeah, maybe not in your slow season as much. But like summertime, you're going to fill it in. It's not going to be a big deal. But yeah, I mean, I would test it out. That's like kind of the fun thing is that you're getting like direct feedback, right? So it's like, okay, I switched this one setting. Let's see what happens. Yeah. You know? Totally. Totally. Do you do one nighters? Because that's something we've shied away from. But because Price Labs has that built in, I think it's within a week or two, we start allowing people midweek to do one night and then i think within four days if if the weekend isn't booked which never happens they could do one night on the weekend too um do you do one night stays for people i do one night all the time and not all of my places so 
The smaller homes, if they're like two bedroom or less, it's not really a party, you know? So I'll do one nights for those all the time. I don't really care Um, because I don't want orphan nights. You know, that's what they call it, where it's like, oh, it would have been great. I could have had every night full, but I had these like staggered nights throughout the month. Um, But when you have a bigger home, you're definitely like liable for parties, like these four bedroom homes and stuff. So I would not, I would not do one nights. Um, But I like the way you guys have it where it's like within four days, you're just trying to fill midweek or something. Sure. One night, no big deal. And I mean, it kind of depends on how attached you are. Like, these are not homes that you live in. So if it gets like a party and you're not cleaning it yourself, it might not be such a big deal. Right. Oh, I'm but, sure it's almost yeah. like that out of sight, out of mind, or like you bury your head in the set. I'm sure there's times there's been parties like, well, I don't care. The, the next time I walk into it, it'll be clean and someone else dealt with it. Yeah. But I, but I, I do get what you're saying. And that's one of the reasons we've hesitated towards one night more often because with bigger places. And that kind of brings me to another question about this. Have you found, and again, there's so many variables to Airbnb, you know, whether it's in St. Louis or Philly or Boulder, but have you found a sweet spot that if you were looking either A, to buy a place as an investment for Airbnb or or even just to take it on, have you said like, have you seen, hey, one bedrooms return on investment is better than four bedrooms or two bedrooms is that sweet spot because it's like two hotels. I mean, I can tell you my hypothesis has always been that a two bedroom would be like a sweet spot because it's like two hotel rooms you would need, but I don't have any two bedrooms. We have all four bedrooms for some reason. So, so honestly, I think mine is four bedrooms, four bedroom plus 10 guests or more. So that would be one thing that I could say. I I haven't like broke down the way you did your beds and stuff, but I'm like, why are you only sleeping eight guests? I don't like it. I think your four bedroom place should have up to like 12 guests. Like where's the air mattress? Those are two sleepable couches. What's up? Like get a person everywhere. Your business is heads and beds. So I know that it sounds like, oh, that's more of a party or that's more wear and tear on the home, but we charge per guest. And so you can set it like, you know, an extra $10 per night per guest or five or whatever you want to do. Some people do even higher, Um, but you're making that extra money. And then all of a sudden you've opened yourself up to be able to do groups and families and bridal parties. Um, What happens is one and two bedrooms are flooded in the market. And so you have a lot of competition. All of a sudden, if there's you're a six bedroom house or you can sleep 15 people, there's three people or three three homes and they're all in weird spots around the, you know, the city. And so it's going to be yours is the cutest with the best photos and it's in the one spot that works. You know, all of a sudden you can charge a lot more and you have like less competition. So I think like when you're thinking about 12 people splitting a place, all of a sudden, everybody's willing to chip in, you know, a little bit more. So that's one thing I learned about St. Louis. And that's like what I'm looking for for my next buy is that, yeah, with these little homes, one to three bedrooms, I can charge like maybe $150 like high end with the bigger homes. All of a sudden I can charge four to $600 just because I can fit all these people in it. So when the home doesn't cost that much more, it's a huge profit boost. And I think yeah. that is why we ended up with three, four bedrooms is that when you look at the price, you're like, 
it might be 50K. Like, let's say you're looking at a $300,000 place for a two bedroom or a three seventy five for a four bedroom. You're like, that's not, it's not insignificant, but it's at least within the same realm of, of purchasing. And yet you have twice as much space for people to sleep in essentially um totally well we can get let's get nitty-gritty because now i'm looking at your houses they're all sleeping eight people which is a no-go in my eye and they're mostly queen beds yes so 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 all yeah all but one room which wouldn't fit a queen and that's how we haven't broken out so if you guys are listening here we'll give you the scoop three four bedroom places they're different sizes but all bedrooms have a queen bed and yeah so you would say no you would do people love singles? queens, but I have been hearing that people will book a place just because there's a king bed. So what happens is if you're a little taller, like six feet plus, or if you're a little bit bigger, like on the heavier side, you just don't fit in a queen with another person. You know, like this is not something I think about because I'm five nine and I'm pretty slim. So like, you know, I didn't know that. But having been in this business a while, I've started to hear it. So I even put it in the description with King, you know, that people are going to see that right away and go, oh, let's look at this one. So every place should have a King bed, just one of them, even if it's a little tight on the space. I mean, you can find really small end tables, so it's not that big of a deal. And then second, like you can use bunk beds to a deter parties because you can make it look more kitty, even if adults will sleep in them, but you can also sleep more people. So like a smaller room, you can have a double bed on the bottom and a single bed up top kind of, um, one. And then technically you're sleeping three people there and kids love it. And you know, it just adds some kind of like dimension. It looks a little different. People also like two singles. I don't know. You know, rather than having to sleep together, especially if it's like guys on a guy's trip. Right. You need to have at least one of those rooms with like separate beds. Okay. So, I mean, it sucks to move beds. You maybe don't do it. But I'm just saying like going forward. Sure. Think those things. That's interesting because one of the debates we had with this last property, because the two of the bedrooms, all the bedrooms could fit a king, but two are I mean, easily could fit a king. And I'm like, all right, we're going to do king beds. You know, then you look at the price of king, like, oh, dude, does anyone care? And we didn't. And I almost instantly regret it. I thought, no, because uh, my sister-in-law and her husband are are big. Like, they're both super tall, like six foot and six eight. And I remember we were looking at Airbnb with them, like, dude, we're booking this because as a king. And it was right after I bought all the queens. And I thought, you're like, dang. No. <laughs> like, um, but you, yeah. okay, so you do do you do bunk bed some places because that's been another issue that I thought this could be better for families, but I think it would be worse for groups. And that being said, I've stayed in a place in Nashville with bunk beds with like 10 dudes. So I guess I don't know. People will do it. Okay. People will do it for sure. And I mean, we even like make them kitty looking because we're trying not to get parties. So we'll put like a cute stuffed animal on each bed in the photo or something, you know, that like kids get all excited about, but it's like, you know, an adult would be like, okay, whatever. We're just going to sleep there because there's a lot of beds. But yeah, I mean, I think people want to have their own bed. You can definitely have an air mattress in every home, but those suck to sleep on. Um, And then usually pull out couches are not very comfortable. So it's like, Trying to make every sleep space as comfortable as possible. I definitely like want to try to sleep people on every couch and I try to find the options that are the most comfortable. And then I usually have an air mattress just in case. But um, yeah, they suck. 
And then also, if you've got a big enough room, I know this is like excessive, but really your business is heads and beds. If you've got a big enough room, I, I think it's great to do double queens, like to have two queens with just like a, um, a table in between them or whatever. If you can do, you know, tables on each side, like for sure, but usually the room's not that big. But yeah, then it just feels like a cool, um, you know, hotel room or something. We do that to a lot of masters because they're big enough and they have their own bathroom. Yeah. So what do you what yeah. do you see? Like, do you with your properties try to put one like piece that is I don't know, like a talking point for a listing? So, for example. I, you know, if I'm going through it, I'm like, oh, that's the place with a hammock or that's the place with a blah, blah, blah. You know, because you're looking at like, let's say 10, 15 properties, you're showing your friends, you're showing your spouse, you're showing whoever's traveling with you. And like, you're like, that's this house. And there's something about, do you try to like make something like that stand out? Because I've, I've, we haven't really done it, but I've always toyed with the idea of like, yeah, what would that one thing be? Would it be like a hanging basket chair that they'd be like, oh, really cool? Doesn't cost cost you like two hundred bucks, but it's like a, a statement piece almost. Totally, I think that stuff is really valuable. So, like, I try to decorate my houses with a theme. So I have like a beach house, and I have kind of like a madman house, and like, you know, I think people want to stay somewhere that's just different. Like, so even if their whole house is like beige on beige, they're like, I want to stay with that crazy place with the red couch, you know? So I like to have like bright colors, art, things that are going to pop in the photos because it's just like so interesting. So definitely if you've got, um, uh, you know, like you're saying a hammock or like a hanging chair, that stuff's really cool to put in there. Just, just make sure it's still functional. Like the one thing that I think a lot of people mess up on is they can sleep 15 people, but there's no place for them to sit. So like all of a sudden you look at their um, living room and it's got like one couch and two chairs and you're like 15 people don't fit there. So like you got to have enough places for people to eat. You've got to have enough places for people to sit. They're not going to all watch TV at the same time, but like make it cozy, you know? So you do have to accommodate for like the biggest group possible. Yeah. And I think that yeah. going back to your, your statement of like, all right, all of these sleep eight people. And I think that's why is that they're kind of funky in that there's small living room in one. And then the other is just like a somewhat small house. I could sleep in. And we're like, all right, could we, could you sleep 10 or 12? Yeah. Could 10 or 12 be there? Like, yeah, they could be in the house, but they're certainly not all going to be in the living room. Or and if they are, they're going to be, you know, you're going to be sitting on laps or something like that. So I guess you do have to balance the, hey, how big is the actual living area versus the bedrooms and how many can fit in? Totally. And I mean, the baths is an issue because I'd see one has just one bath. Um, But I had a place that slept nine with one bath. And it's like that was one shower. We eventually added another bathroom. But, you know, that's a huge project. And so, yeah, that is a huge thing to consider. You have another place that's 1.5 baths. So there's only one place to shower for all of these people. But as long as you make that really plain, and I would put that like in the um, bullet points, then it's fine. You know, people, especially with like um, ski cabins and stuff, it's like people just want to like pile up and then go be in the city or go do the activity. They don't care as much. And And the cool thing about having a bigger place is every once in a while, you're going to get like a high-end family that is just one person in each room. But 
you know, they're paying the same amount almost as having 12 people in the house, you know? So that gives you like the, the two options rather than when you have a two bedroom house, you're pretty much just going to have four people all the time, two couples, whatever, or a group of three or something like that. Have you found that new construction or do you have any new construction places? Because this has been a thought of mine as well as, you know, there's certain parts and, and we'd have to really get nitty gritty and not that you would probably know Philadelphia good enough, but you could buy essentially like, hey, an older house with less square footage for the same price as a brand new construction in a crappier area. Now, someone coming won't exactly know or like, what do you think about the new construction? Like, hey, it's got a roof deck. It's brand new. You know, people see that and they're like, I want to go on a vacation and I want to stay in this because it's modern and obviously it looks new and is is cool. Would you and have you seen success with that type of thing? I would say rent and re-rent those kind of places. Okay. But I don't necessarily need to buy it, especially because those kind of places usually have a high HOA and all kinds of stuff that I don't want to deal with. So if it didn't, um, again, I think location is the same as regular real estate. It's always about the location. Um, When I bought in St. Louis, I was kind of buying in like the B minus neighborhood. You know, it wasn't getting the A plus because there you could still find million dollar homes, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're in the best, best location. But maybe I'm just a couple of streets away from something that's awesome. But in that neighborhood, it's like gentrifying, you know, and so. I get comments all the time that people are like, oh, the neighborhood was a little bit weird. I don't know. So, I mean, I would say that does keep you from being like all five stars all the time. A lot of people don't care, but every once in a while, you're going to get that guest that's like saying there's colored people in the neighborhood or whatever, you know, it's like, those are the things I don't want to hear. And I don't think it's cool, but you never know where people are coming from. Yeah. And what their comfort level is and how they understand city living. So I would definitely say, yeah, I would go with the location. Go with location. Plus there's so much charm with an older home. Like I love the exposed brick that you've got. And um, I even like you've got this heater in one of your your places that's got like, I don't even know what you call them, but it's all the pipes. Yeah. And it comes across and it just like looks cool. And I know those are creaky and loud usually, but like. It's just got like a funkiness. Yeah. Your places were renovated really well. So I don't yeah. know if you guys did that yourself. No, but we did not. I like it. No, we bought yeah. them all. I mean, we styled them and furnished them, but all of them totally. were already reno- renovated. We were not taking on a project. Yeah, and Heather would neither. not let me take on a project. Like, I want to because I'm like, oh, we can make it so perfect for what we need. And then, you're like, yeah, <sighs> no. and it would take seven months, eight months. And anyway, mm-hmm. all right. Last question about the nitty gritty part of Airbnb. We talked, to, we've talked about this a decent amount, but I want to run through some of the tools that you use that you find helpful that, that you're like, all right, this has really been a game changer. So we talked about pricing price labs is what I use and you're using, or you're going to switch to beyond pricing. What are some other tools that you're like, this is great. Whether you have one property, I mean, maybe it's, it's not necessary with one, but it's just something that you think this makes my life a lot easier. And I, as hands off as you can be the better, right? Yeah. I mean, I love having receptionists because I don't know. It's You get so many stupid questions, so many things that are obvious, so many people that didn't read as much as you try to like prepare them for everything, send them a house manual, all that kind of stuff. I think that gets exhausting and it's easy to get kind of jaded 
as, as a person providing a service is like, you can't just be like a super host all the time. Sometimes you're like, God, you stupid. So having the space from that is kind of nice sometimes. Um, so receptionists are a great feature, but I don't know that that's for everyone. What do um, you, is that a program? Cause we use smart BNB, which is like automated yeah. messaging. Is that what you totally. use or do you have a, or do you actually have people who are paid receptionists? Yeah. So I work with Guesty. They're okay. my property management software and they also have receptionists. So it's gotcha. 24 hour, seven days a week. And they also have automated messaging. And then um, you can have certain things like trigger back um, like certain times a day or, or, you know, if somebody writes a message and they don't get responded to within half an hour, it'll automatically send them a message, things like that. So Smart BNB, yeah, they're doing more just like automated messages and it definitely cuts down on having to remember, oh, this person just checked in, let's check in with them. And I think it's great. But um, when you get up to having more places, it's a lot of messages. And so it is nice to have receptionists. And some people use, um, they just like hire some people in Philippines. You know, they use like Upwork or something like that. You, you train like three people and maybe you have 18 hours of coverage instead of 24, you know, um, and you can make that work if you have enough properties and it, it's worth your while. Right. Um, the thing with Guesty is I think you need to have maybe five properties to work with them. Um, on my website, I do have like a lot of tools and recommendations for different softwares and services and whatnot, because this industry has tons now. Yep. But um, there's a company called Ask Prime, and I don't think they have a minimum of how many people. And they just take a percentage and they have full time receptionists, too. So, I mean, I definitely think you can find it. It just depends on like what what your needs are. Um, another thing that I'm working with now, I'm just testing it out is like the electronic tablet, um, house manuals. Okay. Because I don't know if you do this, but I had printed house manuals in the home. So I would get like a binder and put like photos sure. and have all the restaurants and everything. And I mean, it was cool, but it sort of looked like a grade school project, you yeah. know? Well, or like and you're going to like your grandma's shore house that she rented, right? You're like, okay, yeah. yeah, okay. It's like, I mean, I think it's heads and tails better than not having anything. Sure. For sure. People really appreciate it. But I don't know. It's like you're, we're in the tech era now and like people love the idea of having something like electronic that they can like load up on their phone or have physically in like a tablet form. So there's a company called Hostfully where theirs is just all online, but they like send them kind of a link and it looks like an app and it's got all the cool like maps to the restaurants and okay. things to do. Um, I'm working with a company called You're Welcome and they have a physical tablet that goes in the home. And um, from there, it just connects to the Wi-Fi and they can do like everything they want on the tablet. And the way that that um, pays for itself is you can sell services on it. So you can sell like a mid, um, mid stay clean, early check-in, late checkout, renting like a pack and play or like a car seat. You can just add like endless things and make money off of it. So is so that stuff that you yeah. provide or the company? Like if someone's like, I want to pack and play for the house. Will they bring like, is that something you need to have in the home or they'll actually like deliver it to the house? No, I mean, there are companies that do that, that like rent stuff and then you can connect with them. But in general for this, it's just you add whatever features gotcha. you want 
And some people like rent a barbecue or rent, you know, just different kind of things that make sense in their area. Um, but they're also making relationships So the company. You're welcome. They're making relationships with, for say, uh, for example, like Grubhub, where people will order food to the house and then you make a percentage of everything they order through the app oh, or like a car rental or, you know, some kind of activity in the area. So it's kind of newer and I'm just going to test it out. We're, we're getting loaded up now and we're going to start in like a month. So all of a sudden, we're going to have a bunch of tablets in these homes, but we'll see how it goes. I can check in with you about yeah, it. Yeah, all right. I'm pretty excited. Very cool. Yeah. So as much hands-off stuff as possible. I guess the yeah. last question with that, and one that probably everyone thinks about and has been the biggest issue for us, or at least starting, is handymen, cleaners, etc. Do you use a service? Do you have like your own team that you've trained? What's... What do you do and what would you recommend for someone who's like, all right, I, I'm going to have one or two listings to start out? Would it would yeah. it just be like, hey, always call this service because it, you know, it doesn't matter? Or yeah, what what is the suggestion there? Because that was something we dealt with and still deal with, you know, every time. Yeah. I mean, I think easiest for people is just go with a company that specializes in vacation rental cleaning. And, you know, that's more and more common. Before it was like you had to teach people what that meant because they're used to just doing once a month deep cleans of people's homes. Um, and so, yeah, I've tested out the whole like one off off of Craigslist cleaners. But you want to have a company that's going to stand behind the work and you're going to want to have like an alternate if someone's sick. And it's nice to have like one person to communicate with who's going to schedule all the people and deal with their problems and their training because I just don't want to be involved with that. So I did hire a girl here like two years ago and she was really good, just like from Craigslist or a recommendation. And I told her like, Hey, have you ever thought about building a business? Like I'll just send you a bunch of clients and homes and like you could do it. So now she makes more money than I do. <laughs> She's got just like 20 employees and just blowing up and we've gotten her to like train people in all of our other markets. So she's got people in Seattle and Atlanta and all over that. Okay. She's just got a really good system where she's training them. I don't know, using videos or whatnot. Um, so I'm trying to like get into that business a little bit because cleaning is something that everybody needs and you can make a lot of money off of it. Yeah. So, so does she have yeah. a service that someone could look up and see if she's in their area or no, or is she only doing it certain places? She's only doing it in certain places, but I think she's open to expanding. Um, they're called Earth Love Cleaning, so you Earth can look Love them up. Cleaning. Okay, tell them I sent you, you <laughs> because I'm trying to get cred. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, cool. <laughs> um, all right, last thing that we have to get to, and because we've talked Airbnb, and we could we could continue. I mean, I could continue yeah. talking about Airbnb forever. But I want to get back to the travel thing. And one of the questions I like to ask people um, at, at the end here, and you can either say this can either be an Airbnb specific thing or or something that you did while traveling. Was what is your biggest mishap that's ever occurred? And maybe we get both stories. Maybe we get like, hey, this was a crazy Airbnb mishap that happened, and this was a crazy travel one because. The reason I ask it is I think that as we travel more, like I certainly don't get quote unquote better at traveling. I get more lax, more lackadaisical and more funny things happen because I'm like, oh, yeah, I need a rental car. Oh, I'll just book it today. Oh, whoops. I forgot. <laughs> you know, oh, we don't have a car. You know, like yeah. I, so I certainly am less 
kind of less structured with my traveling now than I was when I didn't travel as much. Do you have like a mishap that comes to mind either with travel or Airbnb that you're like this? Yeah, this was a big one. No, I don't have like this pinnacle story. I think like the hardest thing with travel is always the transportation part because it's like it's fine to like buy a flight and show up somewhere. But then if you're trying to go like country to country and deal with that, it's all the like public buses and like trains and trying to coordinate stuff and things always break down. And like that's the place where like whoever you're traveling with, you might hate each other. (laughs) It's like all that stuff makes travel harder. Um, I did just come back from Tel Aviv where I was at that conference. And just like you're saying the whole like lackadaisical thing, it's like, I thought, oh, I have 10 days there. Like the conference is at the beginning. I'm going to make all these friends and then we're going to make plans for the rest of it. Well, because my stupid bottom didn't like make some plans. I was just like in Tel Aviv the whole time, pretty much, which is cool. But I had friends that like went to Petra and like they were in Jordan in the desert and like doing all this cool stuff where I'm like, all right, if I would have put some work into this, I would have had like a more optimized trip with like stuff every day. So I don't know. I think like I do get lazier for sure. sure. And I take it for granted a little bit where I'm just like, oh, I'm homesick and I want to be home. And then I'm like, God, you're in Tel Aviv. People would kill for this. Like stop being a whiner, you know? Right, right, right. for sure. All right. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I think that's a good lesson too is I, I... Sometimes waiting the last minute is great. Like, oh, I'm just going to let it happen. And sometimes you're like, wait, nothing is happening. (laughs) I should have probably planned something to happen. Yeah. I did meet a lot of cool people and had a lot of fun lunches. But it was just like, okay. I mean, I'm not as much of a city girl. So I was like, I want to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. What do you have coming up in the pipeline? Either like travel-wise or business-wise or are you going to buy another? Have you bought another property while you've been on this podcast? I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah, so I am like courting a property right now. I don't know what you would call it, but I like secretly stalk them at night. I love properties. They're so fun. Um, So I am looking at some stuff in St. Louis right now, and I'm probably going to buy something soon. I'm kind of on a like buy one a year kick even though i got one in march but it's like almost the end of the year right so that counts it's all the lies um, we tell each other oh yeah, march was like beginning of year october's like end of year oh yeah we're good <laughs> it's I really know. only like five months in between i think but oh god um yeah and then like i said i'm super into this rent and re-rent so i'm not going to drop the clients that i have and i you know maybe with the right places i'll pick up more management but i really think that starting in our like ramp up season because winter's pretty slow where I am. Um, so like springtime, I'm definitely going to hit the ground and like get a couple places to rent and re-rent and test them out. The weird thing about Boulder is um, you can't do it in city limits, but that doesn't mean that you can't go right outside of the, the border of it. So I can be seven minutes from downtown just up the mountain a smidge. You know, so I'm going to test that out and see what I can do there. Um, But I think that would really change my business. It would let me be able to have less properties, more money, and then do it better because I'm close by. Yeah. So, is that is that the focus, Boulder and then St. Louis? Or are you, like, are those the only places that you have properties that you own yourself? I own in Colorado Springs, too. Okay. Um, And that's, like, a pretty affordable market for Colorado, So I got really lucky and bought there while it's hot and it's gone up a lot. Um, 
But they're doing some weird stuff where they were like, oh, we're so Airbnb friendly and it's great. And then all of a sudden now they're not sure. So, I mean, I bought there because they were Airbnb friendly. So that is kind of one of those things that's annoying when you own it. You're sort of stuck with that. When you're renting and re-renting, you pack a U-Haul and go to the next city. So I think it's really cool that you have that ability to See do See how they're that. bringing your show on the road. She's like, all right, I'm just moving west. I'm out of Colorado. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, so five U-Haul trucks it. worth of furniture, like coming with you. Just roll into town, rent five places in a day and furnish them and set it up. Oh, that's funny. Totally, yeah. Like a traveling circus, you know? Yeah, I mean, but people are dial it in. Like I met people that they're like, we have 35 places, but only in three buildings and they're all within the same little area. And like, how easy is that? I know. It's, it's I we like I said, we we're done talking about Airbnb for a sec, but I am with you. Like, it's it's that like, could it be so dialed in that then you don't want to be anywhere else, or you don't want to own anywhere else? But then I think both of us as travelers, you get the idea. Like, well, it would be cool if I had a property here, even though it it doesn't matter. You could travel there and sure. rent a place. But either way, I digress. I mean, I do think that that's a myth. I mean, people tell me that all the time. Oh, I want a summer home and it'll be so fun. Let me get a place in like Arizona, Florida. But the reality is, and I imagine you could speak to this, as travelers, there's always like a new place to go. And I go back to Hawaii all the time because that's where I'm from. And that's like my next coming trip. Um, But even so, it's like we stay in different parts of the island. We go to some different islands. Like it's never the same And just because it's a place you like to stay doesn't mean that the numbers work. Right. Like I'll buy in the middle of Kansas all day if my numbers are killing it. Right. And like good luck buying in Hawaii or, you know, I would assume because it's so expensive. It's like, yeah, this might not be a good investment or even if the numbers might work, like I can't afford to leverage myself this much because anything I'm touching is going to be $500,000 before I even like move out of a studio, right? Or something like that. Totally. And they're not very Airbnb friendly. So it's like a lot of things that you have to consider. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to do a a part three podcast about, (laughs) about, uh, because I wanted to get into that. We did touch it about buying like, all right, now you want to invest, but we'll, we'll do it again, guys. I'd be open to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We, I could talk for days. Well, anyway, you've got a lot in the pipeline. You've got some cool stuff. We'll have to have you come back on and do a, a bit of a recap as well of some of the things, because I like that you're constantly pushing those borders and saying, Hey, this is a new program. Let me try it. And I think that's the fun part about, I consider it an experiment. like, and, yeah. and I think you made a really good point, and it was probably at this point back in part one, of P- everyone says, hey, this is a huge deal buying a house, and I don't want to make it sound like it's not or you shouldn't do your due diligence. Like, oh, yeah, just buy a house. It's, you know, everyone's doing it. But if you buy one, you're like, okay, I know I can make money or I can break even on it. Let me experiment with ways to make money. Let me extend my minimum stay to four days, you know, and see what happens because you are getting this instantaneous feedback and it's kind of, it's kind of cool. So I like that you're using it also as an experiment. Like, yeah, I'm getting a house. I'm going to try it. Worst case scenario, I rent it at least in me, my term, my mind, it's always like, I'll rent it long term and I'll break even. Like, I know I can do that. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll bring you back on. That's what, that's what I'm getting at here. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ziana, thank you so much for joining me today. Allow me to pick your brain. Um, yeah, on that fascinating and and constantly changing world of of Airbnb and short term rentals. And if you are in, if you are someone who's listening to this, you're like, that sounds cool. Like you want to challenge yourself. It is. It's a challenge and a fun 
I want to call it a game almost. Um, and you've been yeah. in the game longer than me, so I like that. For also giving amazing advice on how others can really turn this like opportunity that we have with a shared economy into something that can change their lifestyle, like for you. That is now what you do. So remind people, if they want to come find you, if they want to check out what you're doing, they want the resources page, where can they come get a hold of you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, my website is ziannamcintyre.com, and you're going to have to put it in the show notes because the spelling's all fun. Um, but yeah, I do one-on-one consulting as well. So if people just want to ask a few questions that are tailored to them, I can do that. And um, yeah, I have a ton of resources on there and blogs. So lots of free con- content and all the podcasts that I've been on. So yeah, I think it's a great place to just learn for free. Yeah, we will yeah. link everything. We talked about a lot. So we're going to link it all <laughs> up in the show notes for this show for part one. We'll talk, We'll link everything up in the show notes. You can get those extrapackofpeanuts.com slash shows. That's for this show, part one, and all 300 and whatever we're at now, 70 other episodes. You can find all that <laughs> there. Don't forget, if you guys are going out traveling, we've got two awesome sponsors for the podcast, Tortuga Backpacks. You can get 10% off using the promo code EPOP and Bluffworks Travel Clothing. You can go there, get 10% off any non-sale item by using that same promo code. We keep it easy. EPOP, you throw that in the uh, in the little coupon code there. Thanks again, Ziana. I, got, I think I got your name right every single time. You did. I'm so yes. proud of you. Yes. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Ziana. Uh, Really, really appreciate it for spreading your knowledge. We'll link up your website in the show notes. And it was just an awesome time chatting with you. Um, Yeah. Can't thank you enough for coming on for two, two podcasts. And a third coming up. (laughs) That's right. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for the continued support that makes this number one rated travel podcast on, I always want to say iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. Um, Until next time, guys, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris soon